it's not in my notes, but I have to say, um, I don't always know what songs Emily is doing, but that last song is um, very special to me. So um, it was me and Lori went on a missions trip to South Africa. How long ago was that? That was a gosh, 12 years ago. Yeah. And that was a, that particular song made it, um, during that trip was just very impactful to me. And, um, it, it just brings me back to that moment. And you know how there's milestones in our life where, you know, we give our life to the Lord. Well, I had already given my life to the Lord, but this particular trip was making, it cut a lot of me away, I guess. Like there was a lot of me before and there's still a lot of me, but there was a lot of me that got cut away on that trip. And, um, and so that song kind of brings me back there. So I just, I love it. Um, all right. Good to see you all. If you missed uh, dinner, uh, come early next Wednesday if you can. I know people's schedules don't always work out. Well, not next Wednesday, two weeks from now. <laughs> come early for dinner. Um, great time of fellowship. I learned about uh, vacuum cleaners, uh, wedding rings, pockets, lots of tips, tricks, things. So um, yeah, come early next time uh, that we have Wednesday dinner. It's a great time. Um, we're going to start, we are in Nehemiah again, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8, but I want to start, if you could, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew seven twenty-four. and if you're flipping in your Bible ahead, you can go to Nehemiah 8 also, keep a finger there, we'll be over there in a minute. Familiar um, passage here in Scripture, uh, but I think it's relevant to tonight's study, so we're going to start here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these things, or sorry, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." And um, like I said, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Probably heard many teachings on it before. Um, I, I love it because you, it gives you a, a, a clear picture, right? You have these two people, and it compares them to two houses. And when you see a house on the outside, it, you can see two different houses, and they look beautiful, right? And you could even go in and maybe spend some time, eat dinner over there or whatever, and it, and it seems fine. Everything seems fine. You don't get to see the foundation. And typically, we don't get to see the foundation of people's lives, right? Um, but what reveals the foundation in this um, parable that Jesus is giving us here is the storms that came. And um, storms, you know, not like my Amazon package didn't show up today, you know, I'll trust in the Lord, maybe it'll be there tomorrow, you know. 
I don't think that's what Jesus is referring to, those kind of storms. I mean, I'm thinking these are big storms, right, that are really going to reveal the foundation. Um, you know, it could be a loss of financial security or a fracture of a close relationship or a health issue right in our lives. There's, there's many big crises that we're going to face potentially the longer we live in this world. Um, and we've probably walked alongside other people that have been through such storms like this. And those storms do reveal the foundation, right? Uh, it reveals the foundation, and you probably, um, I think of a few instances. My, my mom, for example, with her health condition, and I think of Rick and um, Joanna, or Joanne, and uh, what she went through. And you see the, the joy of the Lord, even in the suffering. Um, and you see that foundation just rise to the surface, you know. And we've probably been along others where, you know, those crises come and they turn to the things of the world for comfort, right? And that foundation comes out. And so Jesus gives us a clear sample here of what to look for. And this is going to come to us. I mean, those crises are going to come to our life and that foundation is going to be revealed. And what I could say is whether you've been through a crisis like this or you're going to be, um, we go back to the beginning of this section, right? Where it says, therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them. And that's the key, right? That's where we want to be so that when that storm does come, um, our foundation that's revealed is a good, solid foundation. Our foundation is in Christ. And so we're going to be Nehemiah, like I said, chapter eight. And we've heard all about this is, you know, Nehemiah was the third, third wave that came from Persia. Um, I forget exactly where, Shushan maybe, or anyways, they came, they came from Persia with permission from the king of Persia. Uh, first wave was Zerubbabel. They, they rebuilt the temple and then um, Ezra came on the second wave and led that second wave. And Nehemiah, of course, we know about here, led the third wave and we saw the foundation built of the temple and the foundation of the walls and all these things being built up. The walls were completed 52 days, I believe. And um, now in chapter eight, we're going to be looking at the foundation, the spiritual foundation that is going to be built um, in the life of the people that were there. And we're going to re see a return of Ezra, uh, you know, brought back here. Must have been an old man at this point, but he was brought back. And um, we, we're going to start, uh, we're just going to do the whole chapter tonight. So I'm going to start right in verse one. Um, and we'll do one through three. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse one. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so we see here the book of the law and the book I wanted to, um, you know, we're talking about the law are the books of Moses, right? The first five books of the Bible. Um, but I wanted to read to you guys 
uh, statement from the Calvary Restored Church website about what we believe uh, on the Bible. So I'm going to read this. We believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the word of God, fully inspired without error in their original manuscripts and are the infallible rule of faith and practice. The Bible is the foundation upon which the church operates and is the basis for which the church is governed. We believe that the Bible supersedes any earthly law that is contrary to the Holy Scriptures. We believe that we are to faithfully teach the Bible in such a way that the message can be applied to an individual's life, leading the person to greater maturity in Christ. We do this by explaining the relevance of the Bible to empower and transform lives. And um, I want to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So hearing the word of God, and many of us, you know, there's different ways, obviously, we hear from, from God, we hear from the word of God. Um, many of us, it's opening up our Bibles in the morning, spending time with the Lord. Um, maybe we listen to an audio Bible. Maybe we listen to teachers. We come in Sunday morning, listen to Pastor Victor teach or on Wednesday, um, and we hear from the Lord. And, um, and this is good. God's word will not return void. We should be spending time in the word it is the, the firm foundation of our lives. And so we should be doing these things. One of the, a couple of things I saw in verse one through three, one of them was bring the book. And I love it that the people called Ezra to bring the book. They were the one calling for it. It wasn't like Nehemiah saying, Ezra, go tell those crazy people what to do. You know, um, it was the people calling for the book. And they, he said, bring the book. And I love that because I think of, um, you know, when you go to a, hospital bed or when you're going to visit someone that is um, down and out, you know, we'll often bring the book with us, right? We'll bring the book. Um, but here we have a good time. It's a time of celebration, right? The, the walls are built, they're secured, the gates are up, and it's a time of celebration, and they want Ezra to bring the book. And, um, and so it's, it's a lesson for us. We should always bring the book, no matter if we're celebrating or if, if um, things aren't going well, um, the book has something to teach us and, to, and to, to pour into our lives. Now, speaking of the Bible, <laughs> I had this, um, I, I had a lot of wisdom years ago um, that, um, like, you shouldn't use Bible apps. So I used to have this wisdom, uh, but I've I kind of changed my opinion on this. So, <laughs> because... I used to have this problem, and this is my problem, so I wasn't trying to push it on anybody else, but I would, I would read in the Bible app in the morning, this is years ago, and then I'd get like a notification, you know, 10% off, blah, 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 and then I'd be in the middle of a verse, I'm like, oh, really? You know, or whatever. <laughs> and it would, it would um, sidetrack me, right? And so then uh, I, I actually remember teaching the, the youth at uh, Gwinnett, like, you shouldn't use the Bible app, because it was my problem, really, but I said, you shouldn't do it either. Um, and so... Uh, so I, I kind of had a little bit of a legalistic thing until um, a couple of years ago, and I get up in the morning, and I couldn't see, <laughs> like, the, the words. It was too dark, and even with my glasses on, 
And the, the darkness and the, the font was small. I used a smaller Bible then. And I'm like, man, this is worse than getting the notifications. And, and so, uh, so then I switched back. And now, I use, now I'm back on the Bible app in the mornings uh, because I can see it, you know. Um, but uh, that's, that's just my story. Now, I do have, um, uh, I, I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist. But, you know, when an app needs an up, update and you get that notice, and, and maybe you get new terms and conditions, and you're like, did you just scroll through it? Yes, accept. Yeah, you're selling all my data on the black market. Yes, just update my app. Let's do this thing. Um, so I wonder about that with the Bible app, though, because when I, I have three versions downloaded, and then it'll say um, this version needs to be updated. And so then I question, is the old version that I was been reading wrong, or is it you know, which, like, which, what, is, what do you mean it needs to be updated? Like, what was wrong with it? So they don't tell you, though, what was wrong with it. But uh, anyways, I keep one of these around just in case, you know, just in case I'm on the Bible app and it says, um, yeah, go ahead and get the mark of the beast, you know, and I'm like, I think I'm pretty sure. It was. <laughs> you know, so, um, so anyways, keep the word around. Um, there's my conspiracy theory, so. All right. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but they were reading through the first five books of the Bible. It said from sunup to midday. And just to give you an idea, that's about six hour teaching. So I won't, we'll never complain again at Calvary Restored Church about the length of the teaching. So I get to go all night. Um, Six hour teaching, but it just shows you the people were hungry for God's word. You know, we have great access to the word of God. And um, part of that is, you know, that's why maybe our part of our attention span is shorter. Um, we're, you know, we're kind of a different culture, too. I mean, we're used to being satisfied quickly. And so we have a shorter attention span. But it's incredible to me that they spent six hours teaching. And uh, from what I can tell, they were standing a good bit of that, if not the whole time. And uh, just taking it in. I mean, they, were, they, were, uh, it, they weren't bored. You can tell by this uh, set of scripture we're going to go through. Uh, so... Let's continue on. Uh, Verse 4. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and besides him, at his right hand, stood um, several guys. And I'm going to let you go ahead and read through that. There was was, uh, about six guys on his right, and there was uh, seven guys on his left side there. And verse 5, and Ezra opened the book, and in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so we see a few things here. Um, one thing I want to point out, the stage, it's biblical. You know, you saw that right at the beginning, right? They built the stage. Now, um, I think the important part of it is the purpose for building the stage was to create a good teaching environment, right? And so whether you have a stage or don't have a stage, the purpose is to have a good teaching environment. I think we do a good job of that here. Um, you know, it's, uh, we love the kids and we have the kids back there and we love teaching the kids. But part of the children's ministry is so we can have a nice teaching environment here without distractions. 
Um, we have a stage. We're blessed with the stage so you can see the speaker. And, and so they took these practical steps like we should take as a church to make sure that the message can be heard and received by the people. Um, and, I, and I love how they were saying, amen, amen. That's not something we typically do in our church, but I've been to plenty of churches where they're, you know, they're hollering amen and stuff like that. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, one of the, uh, you, you saw that they read through the whole thing. And this is, you know, the whole uh, first five books of the Bible. And um, one of the uh, reference verses here, you know, it says it in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, 31 verses 9 through 13. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priest the sons of Levi, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing." Gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. And the children of it, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess." And so this was a commandment from God, you know, um, that they were to do this every seven years. Now, we don't know exactly how long they kept this commandment, but it had probably been a while, I'm guessing. And uh, we get a little bit of hint at the end of the chapter that there was a, um, the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles or booths um, hadn't been celebrated since the time of Joshua. So I don't know, this, there could have been a long time they neglected this command from Moses where all the people were to gather together and read the law. Um, all right, so verse 7, we get another group of names here, um, and so there's an additional 13 people that are mentioned here, and then it says, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book, in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And um, I love this, this section here because it wasn't just them reading. It was they were expounding on it. They were um, talking about what, what this means to the people. You know, what are we to do with this? Um, and so it was, it was a true Bible teaching. Um, the, the method of teaching we do at Calvary, and I'm pretty sure just about every Calvary chapel, I would, I would assume, does, it's called expository teaching. And um, it's the idea, the root word is expose. So the idea is that you're exposing the word of God, right? You're, that's the goal of a teacher. Um, and the, the, um, the main reason why, you know, we'll go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through an entire book is because there's a lot to learn, right? And it, it's the idea of having a balanced diet, um, I think of like refrigerator verses, right? Those are the, those are like the cheesecake, you know? And so if you just have refrigerator, those are typically cheesecake verses, right? They're like nice verses. They make you feel good, comfort you. 
Um, but they typically don't speak a judgment or, uh, you know, uh, sin, stuff like that. And so, um, but we need a balanced diet, right? And that's why it's verse by verse, chapter by chapter, just like Ezra did. And it's expounding or exposing not only, you know, what's in the text, but how it applies to our lives. And so that's the goal of a teacher. Um, not you guys may know this, but not every church does things this way, right? Um, there's a popular trend in Christian churches to teach on either programs or topics. The risk of doing that is if you, and you've probably done this before, you have a topic like, you know, uh, five steps to being happy or something like that, right? You pick a topic and you could Google that. Uh, give me verses about this. And you can find a hundred verses, maybe a lot of verses, and then you can fashion your message with those verses, but you're not really getting a balanced diet, right? And um, you're not getting the whole counsel of God. I had a, um, a friend in Colorado, a, a family friend of ours. I won't say their name, but it's unlikely they'll hear this, but I just, I won't say. So um, they had a, they have a son um, and he lived on chicken nuggets and <laughs> they, they, they always gave him the option, you know, it's like, um, we're having meatloaf tonight, or you can have chicken nuggets, you know, or we're having this, or you can have chicken nuggets. And it was Mc, primarily McDonald's chicken nuggets. Like the guy ate so many McDonald's chicken nuggets. They get him a 20 pack, like he could eat chicken nuggets. And um, this is a picture, I think, of when we're only taking certain parts of scripture, we're not going to be spiritually healthy. And, uh, and needless to say, he wasn't physically healthy, this young man. Um, he's about 10 years younger than me, and he doesn't look very healthy, right? Because he has a, a diet uh, that's not good for him. Um, now, in our house, we were talking about this recently. There was, there was, we had options, too. You had two options. You can, you can eat dinner, or you can not eat dinner, right? So those are the two. We, had, we believe in choice and options, you know, too. We were very, very open to that. Um, but, um, so, you know, and th this is good training, I think, because uh, we, we need to take spiritual things that way, too. We can't just take, pick and choose. We either take it in or we don't take it in. <laughs> and if we're going to take it in, we need to take the whole counsel of God and apply it to our lives. Um, all right, verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And you could tell right there that this really took, you know what I mean? There was, there was a response and it wasn't just like, oh, this is cool. No, the conviction, it was, it was hitting them. Um, I think this kind of reminded me of, have you guys ever seen Ray Comfort do his, uh, I think it's Living Water, some of his YouTube videos. Uh, he goes by the, the, or he used to, I don't know if he doesn't anymore, but Newport Beach, you go on the pier and have a little soapbox and try to engage with people. And um, he would, he'd always start with, do you, do you think you're a good person or do you think you're going to heaven? You know, this kind of thing. And almost always everyone's going to say, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, compared to other people, yeah, I'm pretty good, you know. And then he would take them through the Ten Commandments, right? And part of the reading here was the Ten Commandments. And he would take them through the Ten Commandments. So you've never um, looked upon a woman with lust? 
or you've never uh, bared false witness, right? Told a lie. Um, you know, started going through these. Well, well you know, well, and then you could tell some people would either be broken. That seemed pretty rare, but every now and then he would get somebody that would be broken. Most people would be defensive, right? And argumentative. And I guess that's what makes it interesting on YouTube. But uh, um, the brokenness is the key here. They real, they heard the words, it penetrated their heart and they realized the condition they were in. And immediately, you know, like Jesus says, you know, blessed is the poor in spirit. And that's exactly where they were. Um, but immediately they're told that this is the holy day of the Lord. Do not mourn nor weep. And um, because, you know, it, it's right there. You realize it. You've, you've, um, you realize the condition you're in. But there's, there's grace from God and love from God. And God's ready to receive you to him. And all of a sudden that joy Right, and that's what the the message was here. There's no need to to mourn anymore. Um, verse uh, ten. Then he said to them, "Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength." So the Levites. Um, quieted all the people saying, be still for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. And they did truly understand. And we see what we would consider a revival here, right? In, um, in Nehemiah or in, in Jerusalem, I should say, in this section of Nehemiah, and um, I was thinking, what, what is the recipe of a revival? You know, like, what, is, there a, is there a trick? Is there a recipe for a revival? Um, one thing we could say for sure for a revival is the word of God, right? Has to be present. The word of God has to be present. But besides that, um, I want to look at two different accounts in scripture. Um, one is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, many of you know, is referred to as the weeping prophet, right? His ministry lasted approximately 40 years. Um, during that time, there's no account of a single convert or somebody that heart or mind was changed by the preaching of Jeremiah. Um, he prophesied, he, sold, he told the truth, he spoke the word of God. Um, and we would say from a worldly sense and looking at his ministry was not very successful. Now, from a spiritual sense, he obeyed the Lord, <laughs> you know, and many, many people have been blessed by Jeremiah's ministry, right? I could think of Daniel right away. He's reading, right? And he, he's reading the prophet Jeremiah and he's like, oh my gosh, the 70 years is up, you know? And so how many people have been blessed by the ministry of Jeremiah? Uh, probably millions. Um, so, so really he was successful, but as far as revival, we never see that even though Jeremiah's heart was for the people, he was for God and he was for the people. Um, here's a verse I got out of Jeremiah. He says, um, this is Jeremiah speaking about him. Um, thank you. He says, my heart is broken because of the false prophets and my bones tremble. I stagger, I stagger like a drunkard. 
like someone overcome by wine because of the holy words the Lord has spoken against them. And the holy words he's talking about are the judgment that's coming. You know, that and it was, is, we're reading in at home in um, Ezekiel. Um, and um, it's devastating. I mean, I, I forget the, it was like three quarters of the people died and it was terrible ways right in Jerusalem when the siege came upon them. It was a significant amount of the population. And um, so it was terrible. And Jeremiah knew this was coming and nobody would listen to him. Um, and then he goes on to say, for the land is full of adultery and it lies under a curse. The land itself is in mourning. It's wilderness pastures are dried up for they all do evil and abuse what power they have. The people abuse what power they have. And so Jeremiah's time um, never, never really saw revival, you know, even though he was speaking the word of the Lord. Um, this, is, this is from God here, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 29 through 31. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? An astonishing and horrible thing has committed in, this, in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule by their own power. And listen to this, and my people love to have it so. How sad. But what will you do in the end? And that's, that's from God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. And... Um, so a sad state, and we know that during this time period, revival did not come, right? What we're reading about in Nehemiah here is after the return, right? So um, Jeremiah is speaking to the people prior to the exile. Now, another account I, I really love in Scripture, it blows my mind, is Jonah. You know, Jonah, we all know, of course, uh, the, the, the great fish, in the belly of the great fish, gets a command from God, goes the opposite way, ends up, you know, due to circumstances on the ship, gets thrown overboard into the belly of the great fish, gets puked out three days later. And uh, finally he relents, right? And he says, all right, I'll obey you. I'm going to Nineveh. And the, the scripture says that it took him three days. The, the city was so big, it took him three days to walk through the, the entire city and to preach the message the Lord told them to preach. And given Jonah's attitude, I don't, um, I don't think he was very happy to be there. I don't think he was very um, cared about how engaged the people were to the message. I think he was just doing it because of the circumstances he was in and <laughs> the fish and all that. And uh, he, he just relented and gave up, to the Lord, gave up with the Lord and said, fine, I'm going to go do it. His message in the scripture says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So, I mean, you could just imagine um, all the people in Nineveh going that, you know, they say that your skin would be like, uh, like bleached almost because the, the acid. And so here's this guy that smells like fish guts and bleached skin and yelling, I don't know, you know, just you know, we would think nonsense, right? Saying nonsense. Uh, but the people heard. They listened. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Just going up and down the street, up and down the street. Three days, there he is. And then he leaves town. And um, in Jonah 
chapter 3, verse 5, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, what Jonah did, give him credit, he spoke the word of the Lord. You know, that was the message, and he spoke it. And it was the beginning of a revival in Nineveh. Um, scripture goes on to tell us 120,000 people were in the city and God saved them. I mean, it's incredible. It's got to be, I don't know if it is, but it's got to be one of the greatest revivals in the history of mankind from a guy who did not like the Ninevites <laughs> at all, right? And we know the end of the story. He goes up on the hill and he, and he realizes God's going to save the people. And he goes, I knew you would do it. You're a loving and gracious God. That's why I didn't want to come here, you know? And he's just bummed out. You know, God grows a plant, shades him for a little bit. The worm eats it. It dies. Jonah's, you know, terrible distress because of the plant. And God's like, what about the 120,000 people? Don't you care about them? You know, I don't know. That's Jonah. But God used him. He obeyed. God used him and brought revival. So what do we take of this? Well, I think the, the simple answer is that um, he's truly the God of the harvest. He decides, right, when the season is right. And, um, and in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, it says, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's who he is. He's the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, this is good advice for all of us. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And I like that in season and out of season. Because to me, you know, a lot of their timing in this culture you know, this is Paul's message to Timothy was around the seasons and the harvest and things, the events that would go on. And so when we look at this in the spiritual sense, we, we could personally think, well, that, that person's not ready. They're, they're, they're out of season. You know, this person may be in season, that person may be out of season, you know, but that's not the way it works. You know, God is the God of the harvest and he, our direction is to be ready you know, regardless of what you think about the seasons, right? To always be ready to preach the word. So great uh, revival here in Jerusalem with the children of Israel. Uh, we'll go back to, to Nehemiah here, verse 13. Look at how they follow up. So the, the emotional reaction, the great celebration, and what do they do? They obey the Lord. Look, verse 13. Now on the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the word of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And that they should announce and proclaim in all the cities and in Jerusalem saying, go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. 
So immediately following the great revival led into obedience to God's word. They heard it read. They were in the seventh month. That's when um, this particular feast was supposed to be celebrated. Uh, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 33 through 34, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. And so that's, that's really, you know, if, if there's true revival, that'll be the result, is obedience to the Lord, right? The emotional reaction is done and it's followed by obedience here. Uh, verse 16, then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. <clears throat> so the whole assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, for since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, um, until the day of the children of Israel, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. Sorry about that. And there was a very great gladness. So think about that gap. That was all the way back. You know, we don't, we think, oh, Joshua, that's only a few books back here. But we're talking, this is a big timeline, right? Because uh, Joshua, it goes into the land of Canaan. Apparently they were celebrating then. And then we get the whole book of Judges, all the judges of Israel, all the kings, you know, we get, we get to um, Samuel and then leads into David and all the kings and then the exile, right? And now we're back into Jerusalem and they are uh, all that time. They never, they never celebrated. It's a camping trip. Why wouldn't they celebrate? Seven days camping. That's fantastic. What are they thinking? Um, but pretty cool. They read it and they did it. Verse 18. Also day by day from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. And that's it for tonight. Um, kind of leave you with where we started is, you know, this, to me, this chapter is about the word of God, right? Is hearing the word of God, hearing from the Lord, doing our, our you know, taking that priority of personal time, spending it with God, listening to the pastors and teachers in our lives that are teaching from the word of God and, um, and then doing it like they did at the end, do it, right? Make it happen. Any questions? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for allowing us to gather together again in your name, Lord, for providing us this, uh, comfortable room where we can have a nice teaching environment. I uh, thank you that we no longer stand during teaching, Lord. And um, Lord, I just pray you be with us throughout our week. Uh, thank you for this time of refreshing, Lord. I pray as we go into the world that we'd be a light to the world, Lord, that we would uh, lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would um, just be aware of, of who you want us to witness to, Lord. 
uh, who you want us to proclaim the, the good news to, Lord. I pray that you just uh, continue to be with us, and uh, we just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.